Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you are in this place. I thank you that you are moving. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the one that does the heart work, that we can trust you with the heart work that you want to do. I pray that this morning our hearts would be open, that our soil, the soil of our hearts would be soft and tender, and that you would be able to plant good seeds in our hearts, and that we would be those that that are cultivating it, and that this word today would be cultivated, and that it would grow in our hearts, and that you would water it, and that it would grow into a beautiful tree that produces much fruit in our lives. I pray that you would mold and shape us today myself included. I pray that you would change our minds, that the way that we see things now would be different at the end, that you would uh, metanoia our minds, that our our minds would shift. We would have a new way to see, a new way to think, um, and it would be more in line with your word. It would be more in line with what you want us to do and be and how to think and how to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you know, as I was praying about today and preparing, I, I was probably, I, I'll just be really honest, I was all over the map in the Bible. I was in the New Testament, I was in the Old Testament, and I was having a hard time like landing, what is it that you're wanting to do, Lord? And I, I kept asking him like, what is it that you want for your people in this season, this Sunday, what do you want to do? And I uh, I couldn't land, I was just kind of, I had a lot of things going on, and um And then I got this word that just the Lord dropped in my heart and it's from Proverbs 13. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I just believe actually that the Lord has put the church in a season where maybe there's people that have had hope deferred for a long time. They've been hoping for things for a long time and nothing has happened. They're sitting in the same place they were a long time ago and they've, that, that hope has been deferred and their hearts are getting sick and they're starting to be weary and they're starting to be weighed down and they're starting to kind of shrink back a little bit. And that hope deferred is actually causing the body to kind of feel something. We're, we're kind of like, oh, but... The Lord wants to come, I believe, in this season, and he wants to break off discouragement. He wants to break off hope deferred. He wants to give a new hope. He wants to put new hope in our hearts as a church, One Life Church. He doesn't want us to be hope deferred. He wants us to be fulfilled in him. He wants us to look to him, the very author and finisher of our faith, and say, my hope is in you, Lord. I put all my hope in you. I cast all my cares on you, and all of the things that I've been hoping for, I believe that you are the fulfillment of them. And so that's what I believe for today. And uh, he took me to this beautiful thing in Exodus um, in Deuteronomy. There's actually this mountain, it's called Mount Horeb. And it literally means desolate wasteland desert. So it's like, there's, it's sounds pretty kind of dry and weary and yucky. Um, But Mount Horeb is actually a really important mountain in the Old Testament. And uh, it first appears here with Moses. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And Jason talked about this a couple weeks ago. It says, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. 
And here's the most interesting part to me of this statement, the mountain of God. It's Mount Horeb, which means desolate, wasteland, like empty. And it's the mountain of God. And so many times we look at things with our eyes and we see desolate, wasteland, no good, empty, void. And what is it? It's the very place that God wants to meet with us. It's the very place where he wants to come and meet with us and bring something. And so we're going to go through kind of the Israelites journey. Um, Moses, you know, he had his revelation that God is, I am at this mountain, right? So he's, he's at the mountain. God reveals himself in the burning bush, just like Jason talked about. He says, I am. And so Moses gets revelation of who God is on the mountain. And then also on this mountain, God takes Moses's staff and he turns it from a staff into a scepter. And Moses from that point forward actually has power in his staff because the Lord has anointed the staff. The Lord has come and given him power. And he says, I mean, I read, you go through all the plagues, most of the plagues, Moses uses the staff that used to be the thing that he used in the desert just to herd his sheep. And now the Lord is using it to free his people. He's using it to actually set people free. And then he uses it again. He has to lift it up as they're fighting the Amalekites. And the the Lord's like, hold it up. (laughs) And as he held it up, what happens? They're winning the battle. When he starts to drop it down, what happens? They start to lose. So Aaron and her come and lift up his hands to hold up this staff. This transformation happens on the mountain Horeb. And then we go and the Israelites, after they're set free from slavery in Egypt, they start wandering and Moses brings them to Mount Horeb. And the mountain actually plays a really crucial role in the life of the Israelites. In Exodus 17, Moses strikes a rock at Horeb and water gushes out to give water to the people. They had been complaining. They were thirsty. There was no water and they were weary. And the Lord allowed Moses to strike a rock and then he gushed out water. Out of the desert places, he gushed out water for his people and he gave them something to drink. He provided for them there. In Exodus 32, Moses is delayed on this mountain, getting the Ten Commandments and all the law. And what are the people doing? Hope is delayed. (laughs) Hope delayed. What do they do? They start trying to craft their own way. They start trying to make this calf and figure it out themselves and come up with their own way instead of waiting for the Lord's way. Mount Horeb was a place of testing, but it was also a place of instruction. He gave them his instructions. Here's how to draw near to me. Here's how to be close to me. Here's how to walk with me. Here's how I want you to go with me. So this desolate place, Jesus, or well, God, I'm going to go with God because at that point, Jesus was still, you know, part of, anyway, we're just going to skip over that right now. Um, (laughs) I'll use the right uh, part of the Trinity. Um, So God is instructing his people there. Then in Exodus 33, you know, Moses comes down, he's mad. They built a calf, they made a calf. They're like, he's like, what are you doing? Well, at that point, 
the people, they stripped off all their ornaments and all their jewelry that had to do with the idols. They consecrated themselves on this mountain. They consecrated themselves to the Lord. So in this desolate wasteland, they decided we're gonna strip off the things we've known before and we're going to set our eyes on the Lord. Now, I'm not saying they kept their eyes there very long, but they did consecrate themselves. Um, Also in Exodus 33, there's something really beautiful here. And I wish I would have put the passage in here, but Moses sets up a tent of meeting. And at this point, it's before the, the tabernacle is built. It's before all of that, but it's a tent of meeting. And it says that anyone could go there. Isn't that fascinating? The Lord invited anyone. But what it says is the people, when Moses would go, the people would stand at their own tents and watch Moses go. And I just found that fascinating. Why the God of all creation has invited you to come into a tent of meeting. And instead of going, they watched. So what I decided is this was an invitation to intimacy. The Lord offers an invitation of intimacy when we're in a desolate place. And the thing is, we can watch others go to the place of intimacy, or we can stand at our tent and watch them go and be like, I guess they just get that. Or we We can go. There's an invitation. The Lord actually set it out for anyone. He said, you can come. (laughs) You can come. The next thing in Exodus 33, the Lord makes an incredibly important promise to Moses. And I just love this. I'm going to read it straight from the text. It says, now, if I, this is Moses talking. If I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And God replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I am, I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing that you have asked for you have found favor with me and I know you by name. The Lord goes with his people and he promised that he would go with them when they were on the mountain that was desolate. He promised, he said, I will be with you. I will go with you. I will be with you. And so God is with us. He sent his very own son to be the, the, the atonement for our sins. He took all our sins so that we could be with him. And this is kind of a foreshadowing right here. And then in Deuteronomy 4, it actually tells us that the people made covenant with the Lord on Mount Horeb. He spoke to them and they heard him, but they saw no form. They didn't see his form. They didn't see him there, but they heard him. His voice was speaking to them out of the cloud. It says that a dark cloud covered the mountain. And so, and then he spoke to them. And on that mountain, he made covenant with them. He told them that he would be with them. The cry of God's heart is expressed in Deuteronomy 4. It says, that they might hear me. 
He's after relationship. He's after communication. He's after our hearts and for us to be with him in that. Um, there's one other part in Deuteronomy 1, and uh, it, it's talking about something that happened back in Exodus, but um, there was a point in there where God told Moses, it's time to move on from this place. And I just, I saw this picture of sometimes God says to us, it's time to move on from the desolate place. It's time that the season has come to an end. And sometimes that means our mindset has to shift from a desolate place. We can't, we can't have a desolate mindset and a desolate heart set. I know that's not a word, but I, I was thinking about it because it's our hearts. Sometimes our hearts remain in the desolate place and the Lord is saying, it's time to move on to a new place. It's time to move on. And he was actually telling them in that moment, hey, time to move to the promised land. Now they didn't actually have faith to believe he could take them into the promised land. It was right after this that they actually decided they wanted to wander in the desert for 40 years. I mean, like literally he's like, it's time to move on from the desert. And his invitation was there. But it took the faith of the people to believe that he is the God of the impossible, that he isn't stuck in this thing anymore, that we're not stuck in the desert. We're not stuck at Mount Horeb forever. We actually have to believe him and have faith to trust that he can take us into new territory. So hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I believe that the longing of our heart, the deepest longing of our heart is truly Christ, Christ in us. There is a, there is a longing that he wants to fill and that when it's fulfilled, our, there's a tree of life that will rise up within us and we will be filled with life. Um, I'm gonna go through some points that I kind of took out of this story. I wanted to kind of go through the journey of the Israelites and then I'm just gonna kind of take some of the things that happened in there and give them to you. So hope-deferred mountains can become places of revelation. Hope-deferred mountains can become places of revelation. We have to be willing, like Jason was talking about, to turn aside. We have to be willing to turn aside and listen and see what is it that the Lord is speaking What might God want to reveal to you about himself in the middle of your desolation? Hope deferred mountains can become places of great intimacy. There's an invitation there. The tent of meeting, it's available. Do you go or do you watch others go? How are you going to respond? Hope deferred mountains can become grounds for miracles. Moses struck the rock and water flowed out. Hope deferred places, it's a ground for a miracle to rise up from the ground, for springs of life to come. It is a place where we can find fulfillment. We can find our fulfillment in him because he's the one doing the wonders. He is the one doing the work. He's the one that's coming and gushing out the life for us. Hope deferred places and mountains can become a ground for our miracles. What miracles do you need? 
It's not about complaining them to God because that's what the Israelites did. They complained. Why have you brought us out of the land of Egypt? We had bread and water. And I mean, you can do that if you want. I just, it's more about saying, Lord, my soul longs. My heart is hurting and I need you. I need a miracle in this. I present this to you and I ask because I believe that you are a God of miracles. You are the provider. You are the one that does the work. And I am coming to you humbly. I need you. I want you. Sometimes we grow weary of hoping for a miracle because we have to hope for a long time. Hope deferred. It can make us begin to question God, does he love me? Does he see me? Does he know me? Does he care for me? Does he have my heart? Does he have my best interest in mind? And the thing is, when I look at Moses on this mountain, 40 years, he was estranged from his family. He was alone. He was wandering. He was waiting. And I believe that he probably had been told as a kid, you're going to set the people free. You got into Pharaoh's house. So just so you know, when you grow up, you're the one that's going to save us from this. And so he had this in his mind. I'm, I, I'm, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I'm guessing he probably would have been told by his mother and his siblings, like, the reason you're in there is to get us free. And then 40 years. I think Moses had some hope deferred. (laughs) I'm guessing he was pretty hope deferred. He was so hope deferred that he actually couldn't talk very well anymore. And he was just kind of bound up in that. But the Lord came and moved through him in a special way. Hope deferred is actually a shaping. Because if God had used Moses when he was younger... He was irrational and he was brash. And he, I mean, he slaughtered someone just like, boom, I'm gonna kill you. And that wasn't how God wanted to do it. It wasn't by Moses's might and strength. It wasn't by Moses's wit. It wasn't by Moses's power. It wasn't by his stature or what position he held. It was by the spirit of the Lord that he wanted to set the people free. And in desolation, all of our strength gets wiped away. And we become a people who are humble and ready to move by the spirit of the Lord and not by the power of our might or by the position we hold or by the strength we have in our flesh. It's by his spirit. Hope deferred mountains can become weapon factories. What might God want to put in your hands through your places of brokenness and longing? What does he want to put in your hands to use to draw people to himself? What does he want to put in your hands in the desolate places? Hope deferred mountains can become places of consecration. And I mentioned this a little earlier, but what is the Lord stripping off of you? What is he chiseling away in you? What things is he asking you to remove from yourself, to consecrate yourself to the Lord? 
The Israelites had to remove jewelry and lay down their idols. And the Lord's invitation is, draw near to me. Let's take off these idols. Let's strip away these things that are holding you back and let's draw near. Hope deferred mountains can become places of divine instruction. He can give us new instruction, a new way to see things. He can, this is where he gave the Ten Commandments, and now he can give us new instruction. What plans and purposes is he birthing in your heart? Oh, sorry. Um, while you're in the desolate place. What plans and purposes is he birthing in you while you're in the desolate place? Because so many times what we're doing is we're, we're on the desolate place and we can't quite see straight. But Moses, when he was there, the Lord birthed in him a burden for his people. In the desolate place, the Lord births a burden in us that we then move out of the desolate place and into a place of hope and we reach people that we would not otherwise reach. The desolate place births in us something, a a new thing that's born of him. Hope deferred mountains are places of covenant. God made covenant with his people on the desolate mountain. And later, God made a new covenant with us, his people. As his own son walked through a desolate wasteland, abandoned and alone, as the very lamb provided by God, God with us, he took our sin and bore the cross and our shame so that we could enter a new covenant. So those people, the Israelites, they made a covenant on Mount Horeb in the desolate place. They said, we'll do what you say. We're gonna do it. And then they didn't. But God was faithful anyway. (laughs) It's true. Um, They were like, we can do it. Um, But God's invitation is this new covenant with his son, Jesus wandered through a desolate place. The Lord abandoned him on the cross. It actually, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm imagining that is a desolate place. You are a divine, part of the divine triune God. And you have shed your glory and been completely forsaken by the one that you are most intimate with. He went through a desolate wasteland for us so that we could enter a new covenant. And he paid for the new covenant with his blood. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The new covenant comes through the death of Jesus Christ. In Luke 22, 20 says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. There's this invitation in the new covenant to take our desolate places and put our hope in Christ. He is the hope. He is the one we put our hope in. We no longer have to have hope in in earthly things. The new covenant means we can go directly to God through Christ. Hebrews 7.22 says, Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. It's a better covenant because he can put his spirit in us to help us walk with him. 
The whole point of everything I'm saying is that the wasteland, the desolate place, gives way to the one who makes spring in the desert. The desolate places, they make way. They make a way for the the springs to rise up. And what I want for us as a people is to believe that there is a hope, to hope again, to put our eyes on Jesus and to believe once again for the miracles that he wants to perform. He wants to set captives free. He wants hearts to be freed. He wants us to not be bound up in these things of hopelessness and despair, but actually to throw them off and believe him and to actually trust him. And what I love is Romans, I'm going to skip down. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by our power. It's not by our might. It's not by what we can do. It's by the Holy Spirit. It's by his power. It's by his might that the hope comes and fills our hearts. And um, as I was just praying about today, I was thinking about our church and really I I actually believe this is not just a one life thing. I believe that this is the body of Christ thing. Um, Jason mentioned it actually at our dream team party about a week week or two ago, but um, as we were praying about this year, what does this year look like for One Life? And God, what are you kind of speaking out? And you know, we, we came up with, well, I believe the Holy Spirit deposited the three words, but um, you know, it's equip, empower, release. And that word release, before we got to those three words, one of the words that the Lord had put in our heart is that this is a year of jubilee. And it's a year of release. It's a jubilee and release are actually kind of, they can be similar words, but jubilee in the Bible was simply this idea that every 50 years, the people would let the land rest and those that had come into debt or those that had been kind of brought into um, kind of a a jail situation in a way um, because of they owed money or they had done something, they were set free. It was a jubilee year. And I, I found it interesting because as we started to research and this is the internet, so please just know that this is from the internet, not, I don't know. But we looked it up and actually from October of this year through about March or April of next year is actually a year of Jubilee. Like a, it's a time of Jubilee. It's the time that they would have begun. And I just thought that was a beautiful picture because I believe that as the body of Christ, now we're, you know, we don't celebrate these times and festivals anymore. They are a picture or a foreshadow of what's to come, but they do hold significance still. And I believe that the Lord wants to do something in the body of Christ. He wants to bring a year of Jubilee, a year where we literally just like, whoo, we're gonna celebrate. The Lord is doing something new. The hope that we, like the hopelessness is gone. We're gonna let it fall off. The things that have made us weighed down, they're falling off. And I know we've kind of been preaching this a lot, right? But it's because I believe the Spirit wants to do something in us to wake us up a little bit. Hey, guys, it's a year of Jubilee. 
It's a year where all the things that have kind of the hope deferred, the things you've been praying about for years and years and years, it's time to believe again because the Lord is coming. He's gonna answer the prayers that you've been praying for a long time. And I know that's a bold proclamation, but I believe that the Lord wants to set some things free and break some things off that we've been kind of hope deferred in. And we're just like, I don't know what you're doing, but he's like, it's time to move on from this mountain. And I just prophetically wanna speak that over our church. Those kids that, that you've been praying for, those kids that you've been praying for that walked away from God. I just, I believe we are going to see a return of the prodigals. The prodigals are coming home this year. It's a time for us to pray and to believe that the God of miracles is moving. He's working. He hasn't forgotten us. The people that have been sick and weighed down with sickness in their bodies, I believe the Lord is bringing a year of jubilee. He is coming and we've got to set our eyes on Him, not on the sickness anymore. He's breaking these things off and he's saying my people rise up with him hope let's hope again let's hope again let's believe him for the things that that he has put in our hearts those things those dreams that have died within you those dreams that have been so suppressed I believe the Lord wants to awaken them again because those are God dreams. He wants you to dream again to get hopeful again to be like I serve the God who split the Red Sea. I mean, we don't think about this very much, but you guys, my goodness, he split the Red Sea. Like, what a miracle. And then I just think about what Moses did with the rock. He took his staff and he literally hit it. And what happens? Water gushing out. Now I have never hit a rock and seen water gush out. I think it's, it would break the staff is what my, I'm like, it should break. <laughs> Psalm 107.35 says, for he makes the wilderness pools of water and a thirsty land into springs of water. Isaiah 41, 17 through 19 says, when the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land a spring of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, it, uh, the plain and the pine together. Isaiah 44, 30 through five says, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call out in the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand, the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. I just believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do a work here today to let his spirit 
flood this place with hope again.